Welcome to Throttled Up, the podcast. Throttled Up will be a weekly podcast featuring Matt and Dustin. We plan to discuss the legendary Brownstown Speedway, along with other local dirt tracks, Eldora, Salem Speedway, and all of your IndyCar and NASCAR news. Don't miss an episode of Throttled Up, the podcast. Hey, Mo, are you going to win it? Yeah, I hope y'all brought some stamps, because y'all know I'm about to send it on me. Dirt, 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 I'm all about that. Dirt, 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 I'm throwing. Dirt, 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 I missed that. Dirt, 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 gotta get back to I'm a dirt trackaholic. Welcome back to Thrilled Up the Podcast. Uh, was an exciting week of racing, um, exciting night tonight. Uh, we hope to uh, be done tonight by at least 3 or 4 a.m. Um, <laughs> we've got some, some storytellers and some talkers in studio with us tonight that we'll introduce here in just a second. So uh, if... Um, if you're with us on Facebook Live, you might want to go get a, a coffee or a, uh, some kind of caffeinated beverage because it could be a long one here. But before we jump in, I do want to... At least a beverage. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I do want to talk about our sponsors and those sponsors being first and foremost in the FastLaneProductions.com. Um, huge happy birthday to Nathan Bowling, part of the team there at yeah. In the Fast Lane Productions. Uh, again, I say it every week, if you have not got your premium subscription to them, go get it. There's not a better source for local uh, Brownstown Speedway action than at InTheFastLaneProductions.com. Also, Schaefer Photos and Custom Tees. Um, I got a firsthand uh, lesson in what all Schaefer Photo and Custom Tee can offer you as I got the chance to work with Bronze Bobby Bowling down in the uh, Schaefer Photo and Custom Tee booth on Saturday night getting some tickets for the uh, Racing for Donors uh, contest we did. And, man, they got everything. Magnets, uh, keychains, big prints. Um, they're working on the canvas prints with the speaker and MP3 player in them. So go talk to Mark and Jamie Schaefer. Get some of those um, 
uh, you know, unique gifts for your race fan. Brownstown Speedway and Jim Price. Um, a huge thank you to, to Jim and everything he's done for us and allowing us to be a part of uh, the action at Brownstown Speedway. Miller's Termite and Pest Control. Somebody's phone is playing us back. You got to turn the volume down. <laughs> Miller's Termite and Pest Control is the only place you need to look for pest control. Don't get roped into contracts or high prices with the big companies. Reach out to someone who cares about you. They can handle any problem from termites, bed bugs, ants, spiders, etc. They also do lawn care. Reach out to Miller's Pest Control at on Facebook at Miller's Termite and Pest Control. Email at pest underscore n underscore peace at yahoo.com or by phone at 812-767-5657. Billy Bad Fast Performance by racers for racers. Billy Bad Fast Performance is your source for new and used racing parts and supplies. They're currently stocking Schaefer's oil products and front and rear bumpers and door bars for your late model or modified. If they don't have it, they can find it. Give them a call today at 502-517-9393. And I saw earlier uh, Derek Bottoms is on with us. That's right, yeah. Uh, he is the uh, the brains behind Billy Bad Fast Performance. Um P3 Graphics is one of Indiana's premier suppliers for motorsport wraps and apparel. P3 Graphics offers great pricing along with some of the best customer service in the industry. Give us a try on your next project and you won't be sorry. You can contact us via email, phone, or on Facebook at the P3 Graphics page. Find out more at www.p3graphics.com. Tommy Taylor, Indiana Farm Bureau Insurance. Tommy's an agent, Indiana Farm Bureau Insurance, and he can provide you with auto, home, life, commercial, farm, and does it all with a personal touch you can't get with other insurance companies. For any insurance needs you may have, Tommy has the capability to provide you with the right amount of coverage. Tommy is not just a sponsor, but also my personal insurance agent. And new to us this week, Irwin's Customs, located here in Crothersville, Indiana. Uh, Brad Irwin, he can help you with bodies, interiors, fab work, setup, and consulting. With Irwin's Customs, you can drive them deeper. 812-216-3900 to get a hold of Brad um, and reach out to him if you need any kind of uh, body work or setup and consulting. Now, after all of that, Matt, I'm turning it over to you for introductions. Well, with us tonight, driver of the number 33 Superstock out of Scottsburg, it's going to be Mike Fields. Glad to be here. And the greatest storyteller ever, <laughs> Jerry Allman. Tom John. Allman. Tom Allman, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and Brandon, Tom, yeah. Walt Disney Allman, and uh, yeah. and Brandon Allman over there, and um, if Tom is the greatest storyteller ever, Jerry, who you mentioned, is uh, is second, and and Brandon is a is a very very tight third. So <laughs> the only blessing we have tonight is that um, that Jerry that is not with us, which is unfortunate. He's down with his back, so we send out the best to you, Jerry. Hope you get feeling better, but that does mean we should be done before the sun comes up tomorrow so <laughs> that's an advantage to us but mike thanks for being here man we appreciate it and i'm going to jump right into something before we go through all the background and the racing you've been on a tear this year man especially in the brandeis series races so especially in the one thousand dollars to win because remember we had the one thousand to win that wasn't brandeis and mike won it anyway uh, yeah thousand dollars to win is kind of your cup of tea <laughs> it's you know it's just been unbelievable uh that we've been able to do that uh it's you know i when we set out this year we just wanted to run good we didn't really know how we was going to run and and just to hit those shows you know uh we, it really wasn't planned it just kind of worked out that way and you know it all just fell together and I, it was unbelievable and i've told matt that several times in the winter circle oh, yeah. i just can't believe what kind of ride we're on right now and 
never done this in my whole career of racing so it's definitely a dream come true for sure and i do want to say uh we kind of threw out uh, a few weeks ago about a month ago i guess now after you had won um two of them two of the brandeis races and i i smarted off and said i would like to see any other driver um be able to win a brandeis race and i kind of threw a bounty out on you we made it clear we didn't want anybody to take you out we wanted them to outrun you not take you out um we threw down a hundred dollars on it and unfortunately fuel pump problem on saturday you weren't able to uh to be in the feature but i do want to give a huge congratulations to aubrey egan um, who just did a heck of a job and man she was dialed in on saturday night i absolutely and you know if i got to give one up like that i don't know of anybody any better that i could have given it up to uh i was pretty proud of her doing the job that she done and uh, i mean you know she done a an excellent job of driving the whole race she held her own line she didn't mm-hmm. panic when she got passed back or when she tried to pass Heyman there for the lead she just kind of held her own ground and she just kind of regrouped a little bit when jason got back around her and she just went back after it and took it to him and i mean she just ran off from them guys and she showed them that she's here to play for real so and that was pretty awesome i think they all knew she's been there all all year to play for real you know because uh you know i talked to Heyman and victory lane and uh colton sullivan and they both said they was nervous that she's getting ready to win one so yeah. you know they've known she's been there all years so that's oh yeah yeah you can't take nothing away from her for no. sure because no she's been pretty steady and i mean you can really see the improvement over the last couple of years how much improvement she has really made and the strides that she's made in the whole deal is just phenomenal what she's done i agree with that well and i think you know going back to what matt says as we've had drivers on here especially in that super stock class we've asked that question of who are some of the drivers that you see up and coming and her name comes up first in almost every driver's mouth i mean it's just that fact that you know I think if anything, they thought she was going to get one before she did, and and she has just gotten stronger and stronger each week. And and as you said, and I said it before the show, the fact that she it wasn't just a long green flag run, she had to challenge with Heyman on her outside and and uh, outrun those guys and out maneuver those guys at times with her line, and she did a heck of a job. She sure did, and you know, and and you know, and it's been coming for a long time because she's probably probably one of the most steadiest drivers mm-hmm. out there on the racetrack. I mean, she she doesn't ever really panic, and she just runs a smooth line all the time. She's smooth with the race car, never really gets herself in trouble, and she she you know she just does a really good job with it. And I want to say <laughs> that I thought it was really cool when we were talking before the show, and you said, "Man, I was really cheering for her." You know, even though bad night for you, not what you wanted to happen, and and that's what we've talked so much on here for people who don't go to the dirt track races and don't understand the family aspect here you've had a terrible night you know fuel pump goes out you're out before the feature even starts but you're over there cheering for aubrey to get see her get her first feature win i love seeing first time winners uh because i mean it just gets it just gets everybody so excited and it gets me excited when you do see first time winners because it just lets you know that the sport's still here even though a lot of the people kind of give up on it a little bit but there's people still coming to watch and when they see first time winners i think it just gets a more a little bit more excitement in it for people to come back to see who's going to win next or see if they can repeat as another winner you know so that's what i like to see you know we used to, dustin brought up your uh domination this this time you know we uh you've been at the racetrack what eight times this year and you won six out of the eight yeah 
The two you haven't won was mechanical issues both times. Absolutely. So. Well, I got tore up or one right, night right. in a heat race and then mechanical problems, yeah. But, you know. I, That's a dream season for, for anybody, Mike. I mean, you know. To, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like to brag about the racing because it's such a humbling sport. I mean, you could be on top one minute. And just like Saturday night, I was on the bottom immediately and was not expecting it at all. And, uh, you know, and I kept telling everybody all along, you know, don't get too hyped up on this deal because it's going to come crashing down here before long. We're going to get beat. Something's going to happen. And then everybody's going to be all tore down about it because we did get beat or something. But, you know, and I've never been one to brag about my racing because I always consider that we're pretty lucky and fortunate to be doing what we're doing. And I just don't take it for granted, you know. And just because we've won all these races this year, you know, I know how quick it can turn around and go the wrong way. And I've been on both ends of it. But this year here has definitely been a, a different year than I've ever experienced in my whole racing career. I mean, it, you know, I get excited. And, and the Brandeis thing, stepping in on your guys' class, I think has had a lot more people realize what kind of race car drivers you guys are because, you know, people are watching more. And, you know, the spotlight has been on you and your class a lot more. And, I mean, you guys have produced. Every time we've had a 1,000 to win show, it's a show out there when you guys show. I mean, it's to me i think it's one of the better races of the night you know I, absolutely i mean it's it's been good racing most of the time you know and i mean i've had a lot of people tell me that i've been stinking it up a little bit you know and and i mean I, you know it's it's just kind of fell that way and you know it's not that i mean i try to win every time i show up at the racetrack I, don't take me wrong but i've always had the mentality that i don't care if i win or not i just want to run good right so I don't, I don't never take it for granted that I have won these races because, you know, I just want to run good and perform at the best I can, whether we win or we run 10. As long as I pull off that racetrack and I feel like I give it the very best I can, then I'm happy when I go home. You know, and that's, yeah. what, I, that's what I look for every Saturday night when we roll out there. It's not about the win. I just want to perform at my very best. And sometimes, you know, even the guy that – that is on top he doesn't perform at his best sometimes they, right. everybody still makes mistakes out there and it's not that it's ever intentional that you do make those mistakes and a lot of people they don't they don't look at it that way they think well he run over me tonight and that really upset him but you know most of the time everybody tries to drive as clean as they can yeah. and some nights you just don't have it some nights you're off a little bit and it just that's just the way it goes but you know and i guess the age thing is probably taught me a little bit more than anything else to be really patient with everything that goes on out there and you know i've but i've always kind of been that type of driver to be kind of patient now when i first started i you know <laughs> i couldn't even hardly keep it on the racetrack and i didn't know if i was ever really cut out for this deal or not but right. but it's come a long ways and you know and it's just i've had a lot of good people help me over the years to really get me where i'm at well, well and you brought up patience and i'm just gonna throw it out here knowing how good of a friend you are to tom allman and me being a good friend to brandon <laughs> being friends with the almonds you got to have patience because you're constantly <laughs> waiting to get a word in so that's probably over the years taught you a lot of that patience as well there might be a lot of truth in that <laughs> <laughs> he got me black flagged in my very first race that he ran that was my first race. Your first race, yeah. You yeah. got me black flag. That was in 1979. Exactly, it was. <laughs> okay. Go, 
Outside of these two, I was probably the only one in the room alive in 1979. I know that for a fact. <laughs> and I was eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we've brought it up before. I'm closer in age to your son than I am. Yeah, to you. I know. It's, that's why I like these guys being here. <laughs> I'll just I'll just start this story out on that deal since you, since it got brought up. Uh, Dick Keithley had a marathon station there in Brownstown, and he had an old Ford Torino that was sitting out back. And I, I decided I wanted to race because Tommy was racing. I thought, yeah, hell, if he can do this, I can do it too. <laughs> so I spent, I spent days out there behind this gas station working on this old car outside. And it had, a free, it had an old three-quarter ton rear end under it. It was an old Grand National car of some kind. And I worked out there for days working on this thing, got it ready, took it out to the racetrack, and I told Tommy, because he started on the front row and I did too, I said, now, wait on me. I said, <laughs> so... He kept waiting on me, but it made it look like he kept making it look like he was jumping the start. <laughs> but it was because I wasn't taking off. And when we finally got to taking off here, I would drive off of turn one. I'd come back on turn two at, on the straightaway. I'd drive off over turn three. I'd come back on turn four. I'd drive right back off the other end. And when we got done that night, I said, this ain't for me. I said, I'm taking this car back to Dick, and I'm giving it back to him. And I said, I ain't never doing this again. <laughs> you just needed a half-mile track. Yeah, that was the problem. I, well, <laughs> I actually didn't get black flagged. I had to go to the tail. And, of course, I, I jumped all over Mike when I got back to the pits. And he goes, you don't have to worry about me anymore. <laughs> But here you are. You yeah, know. I know. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's how it all started for me. And then, you know, I don't know what ever happened, but it come back around. So. <laughs> then we both had fly by you. Yeah. Chassis. You had the second one. Yeah. And I had the third one. Yep. Jay Deckard had the fourth one. Hmm. And it just never did figure out me and Mike was never in the same heat race. Oh, really? And one night, he wins his heat race. I win mine. We're starting on the front row of the feature. And, of course, you had to know my dad. And I know Roller <laughs> had the great privilege of meeting him. One of the best ever. <clears throat> he said, boys, he said, I'm just going to tell you one thing. If you guys touch those cars together out there or take each other out, you're both done. And... I guess we got lucky because the rain came and got rained out. <laughs> yeah. And his, Out there on braid lap. And his dad was a lot. I mean, he was like a dad to me. Because we, I mean, from probably about 14 on, I mean, we've been pretty tight for years. And I, I stayed over there at their house a lot whenever I was younger. I mean, probably stayed there probably about as much as I did at home. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so uh, we've always been pretty close. And their mom and dad, you know, was just like a mom and dad to me. So, Yeah. So it's been a pretty, pretty good deal, actually. Dad taught us how to drag race, didn't he? He did. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. Mike had a 67 uh, Rally Sport Camaro. Yeah. 327. I had a 68 Super Sport with 396. And Dad come home with my car, and he said, come on, boys, follow me. <laughs> well, I was known. We didn't know where we were going at the time. <laughs> But we went down on the old slab road outside of Ewing there, and he said, boys, I'm going to teach you how to drag race because I know that's what you guys are going to do with them anyway. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah. he uh, he had I was riding with Mike. 
Dad was driving my car, and he he educated us real quick, didn't he? I wasn't any good at that either. <laughs> <laughs> at least you can't run off yeah. the end there. No, no that, is, that, is, that is true. You can run off to the right because we was in the cornfield. <laughs> yeah, we was not any good at that either. So that didn't last very long either. <laughs> so after your first night, what made you decide to come back and try it again? Since you had you know such a bad night that first night ever. Well, I went in the Air Force after that. And I ended up in Minot, North Dakota, and the sergeant that I was working under out there, he had a, it was kind of like a bomber back then, and we was all sitting around at supper time, and he was talking about this race car that he had, and kept talking about it, kept talking about it, he said he was looking for somebody to drive it, and I said, heck, I said, I can drive a race car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he, you know, we got to talking, and he said, well, okay, he said, he said, we'll just do that then and uh, showed up to the racetrack and i went out there and drove his race car and blowed the motor up in it the very first time and felt bad so i just bought it off of him and i've been doing it ever since and that was back in, that was back in 1981 oh my gosh <laughs> so that's how that all ended up getting to that point so still the only one still alive at that time but but <laughs> but the real the real story about the whole how i got started racing back here was mousy hines oh yeah we went to twin cities they was back this is back when they was doing the enduros a lot and back then anybody in the grandstands could claim a car as long as it was on you know on the lead lap and you could claim a car and you had to have you had to have your money put in by halfway through the race and we went to twin cities and we were sitting in the grandstands and he kept he said now son he said if you see anything out here you want to buy he said just let me know he said we'll buy it tonight so we sat there and we was watching these races and Willie Salee, he had an orange and white Monte Carlo with 33 on it. And we sat there and watched him and uh, I said, let's just buy that one right there. So he gave me the $400. To, that was what the claim was. I went down there and Scott McKinn, he was kind of running the deal. Yeah. And uh, I went down there and I told him, I said, here's my $400. I said, I want to put a claim on that 33 car. <clears throat> and uh, so... After the race was over with, they told Popcorn that, you know, that somebody had put a claim on his car. And uh, he said, well, he said, who is it? And, and nobody nobody absolutely knew who I was back then. I, and, you know, this was back in 1987. And uh, so he come over and talked to him. And he knew he knew Mousy. He come over and talked to us. And he said, boys, he said, you guys don't want to buy this car. He said, it's about ready to blow up. He said, it ain't got no oil pressure. Well, Mousy, he said, now, he said, now, Popcorn, he said, I know better than that. He said, you run that whole race. He said, he said, it wasn't ready to blow up. So we bought that car, and we took it home. And me and Mousy worked on that car. We brought it to Brownstown to the next enduro race. And then Kenny Mize ended up buying it off of us that night. He come over. He didn't claim it. He just come up to us, and he said, I'd like to buy that car. And we run third with it. And I said, sure, it's for sale. So we sold it to him. I I made Mousy's money back, and he paid us for the car, and I made four hundred dollars at the racetrack, and, <laughs> and and that's where it all started. That is that where the thirty three came from. The thirty three actually came from out there in North Dakota. Uh, out there, you had to register your number before the race season ever started. Huh. And I was running number twenty eight out there. And I, I got to the racetrack to register my number. Well, somebody had already beat me to the number 28. And I got to thinking, what number would I really like to run? Well, I was a big Harry Gant fan. 
always liked Harry Gant because he was always kind of the oh, underdog, yeah. you yeah. know, and really just really struggled a lot. And I mean, never give up. And uh, so I picked that number, and I've had that number pretty much ever since, except for you know when I drive for a few other people right. or whatever. But but that's always been my number ever since then. So that's, that's how I ended cool. up with it. Hey, real quick, I want to interrupt because Stacy Allman has said yeah, that. Yeah, I was getting ready to say the same this thing. This is the uh, unbelievable that Mike is talking more than Tom. <laughs> Stacey, I agree. Stacy, what I think we found out is it might be just a microphone, so I'll send one home with Tom, and he can just carry it around the house. And maybe he'll, maybe he'll knock it down a little bit. Uh, been in front of many of those. I don't think that ever made me mic shy. <laughs> no, normally it's with a guitar and, and, and singing. Yeah, it's Mike's night. I'm just glad that uh, you guys invited me over here to it. I'm tickled really to death that Tom came. I mean, I really am. I mean, we've we've done a lot together. We've got a lot of stories. <laughs> I mean, it, and like you said, it'd probably be 3 o'clock in the morning if we left, if we told them all. So. <laughs> I've had a few of those nights with Tom and, and heard stories at <laughs> 3 a.m. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Mike, what is it, you know, you kind of talked about there getting started, but what is it that drives you to keep doing it? You know, it's it's the competition. I really love the competition. Uh, you know, I, as a, back when we was running the Lee Spring stuff, I kind of got burnt out on working on the cars so much because I'm, I'm so dedicated to the sport and to the race car that i forget to take time off from it uh i'll i'll stay i, I work on them six days a week and we race it one night and i burn myself out on them because i'm so anal about everything that i try to make it the very best that i can because i don't like failure right you know and unfortunately i've had a lot of it in the last couple of years and you know it kind of kind of looks bad whenever you keep having these problems but you know it's not because of stuff that we was doing wrong it's basically because of the product that we was buying uh it just seems like you don't get you don't get the quality of product that we used to get years ago mm -hmm. and a lot of stuff years ago we had to make and we had to invent stuff and come up with things to that would work uh, but nowadays you just buy everything but it's really it's just the competition and and the love of the sport that keeps me going i mean i got out of it a few years ago and and to be honest with you, every Saturday night, I could tell when it was race time. Even though I hadn't been at the racetrack for probably three, four years, I could feel when it was race time. I never could get over that, mm -hmm. and I tried to get over it. But and I always had people trying to pull me back in, and you know, and I and I got pulled back in, you know, several years ago. And but it's just one of those things. I just absolutely love it that much that I don't like to stay away from it very long. Well, and I think one thing you just said there with, and, and it's something we've tried to, to get fans to understand is what we see on Saturday night is not the bulk of the work. It oh, is, no. Right. It is Sunday through Saturday, you know, yeah. Saturday until you load the trailer and go, the work that goes into putting on that show. And that's why, you know, sometimes when, when fans are upset or fans, you know, the price is a little too high or this or that they don't realize how much effort it takes for you guys to get a car to the track and put on the show you do for us. Absolutely. I mean, you know, until you're ever around it, around it uh, nobody has a real understanding what it does take and the expense of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what I was getting ready to, to say. You know, the expense of it is so astronomically high. You know, what we race for prize money on Saturday night, people think, you know, that we're making a lot of money. 
we're really not making anything. I mean, we're lucky if we're just, sometimes you get close to breaking even, but most of the time you never break even with this deal. And you spend way more than you ever make from it, but it's just because of the love of it. And that's why you keep coming back. And, you know, like Dustin brought up, you know, that sometimes the fans get tore down by the, the front gate price, but you guys all have to pay that, you know, the front gate price, the, the pit gate price. You know, you got to buy your fuel, your tires, you know, whatever parts that you broke the week before, before you, the car even gets out on the racetrack. It, you know, it bothers us just as much as it does the fans. <laughs> what you pay to come in that front gate, right? Whether they realize it or not, and even though that we're, they think we're making money out there because we're racing, but that part of it really bothers us too. What we pay, but unfortunately, you know, those prices have to kind of be there to be able to pay the money that's getting paid out on a weekly night down oh yeah because yeah. i mean you know they do pay for brownstown is probably one of the best places to race as far as prize money goes most of the time for uh, for all of us yeah i mean just like this year i've raced for more thousand dollar shows this year alone than i've ever raced for in my entire life of racing i've never raced for this that many times you know usually it's maybe one or two a year right and that's it and most of the time you know i mean most of the time you're lucky if you're racing for, you know, $600 is not very much money that you're picking up. Right. Because, I mean, you can spend that in one night at the racetrack. If you buy tires and fuel and your ways in, you know, I mean, like when I go every Saturday night, if I if me and my family go, it's 120 bucks just for me to go through the gate. Right. You know, and people don't understand that. And, I mean, I feel their pain when they go in the gate because it is tough to pay that kind of money. But, you know, you got to love the sport to go. And honestly, I don't know what else you could really do to have that much fun and enjoyment out of something. I mean, just like the movie theater. Yeah, I was going to bring it up. You can, drop, you can drop that much money or more at the movie theater for a freaking pop and a, and a box of popcorn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, this deal, you know, you get a whole lot more excitement out of it most of the time. And, you know, I mean, that's what they need to look at. What are they getting more bang for their buck? Well, I'm going to go back to it, too, because you talk about that with the movie theater. If you don't experience moments like, and I'm going to say Saturday night again, when Aubrey climbed out of that car and she just won her first feature and you get to see her dad come there and the culmination of, of all of those hours in the garage and, and Logan Mounts is pulling into the, you know, pulling his modified yeah. into the infield to get out to congrats. Like, sure. You don't get that at a movie theater. You do Like, not. you're never going to see that. You know, I, I thought that was one of the coolest things ever was... Oh, yeah, I'm walking you across... Know, I, when I was walking across the, the, the track, you know, to go interview her, and then Logan realizes his girlfriend won, and he pulls out of the lineup shoot, you know, pulls these modified... I mean... Yeah, it almost the, freaked me out because I wasn't ready for a car to be coming, and I'm like, whoa, and yeah. I saw who it was. So. Yeah, I'm like, that, that was very cool to me. That And, you know, the, the funny thing is, is... Uh, Earlier that night in the pits, I talked to Logan you know, before Logan was there, but nobody else, you know, because you guys are a little family back there across yeah, yeah. The, the bridge there. And uh, I said, I told him, I said, you know, if I, if I want a, a bunch of money through the lottery or something, I said, I'd probably grab two young kids like you and Aubrey mm -hmm. and be like, let's go racing. <clears throat> right. And and he looked at me and, and uh, you know, probably the most stand up thing he ever said. He said, I'd probably just look at you and say, spend it all on Aubrey. She's got more talent than I do. And for a guy to say that his girlfriend could probably outrace him, that's a stand-up guy right there. That is. Yeah, you that know, 
and uh, so I, I thought that was that was pretty cool. Well, I was just getting ready to tell you if you're going to do that, you probably need to buy him a new pair of shoes because he's going to have to fill some big ones here now. <laughs> <laughs> Pressure is on. That's exactly right. <laughs> And I'm sure she won't rub that in at all. No, I'm sure. no, no. no. <laughs> yeah. I'd already been in his phone and, and changed my name under my contact to feature winner. <laughs> Absolutely. So every time I text him, it'd come up. So, you know. Oh, Brentley asked what happened to the car, and we'd already covered that, Brent. Uh, you said it was a fuel pump, right, Mike? Fuel pump. Uh, the pin that holds the, the lever, the fuel pump lever in, actually walked out of the side of the fuel pump and it dropped the lever off hmm. and that's why it, that's why it quit yep hmm. and i'm going to ask you because we've we've talked a lot about uh, aubrey mike but who are some of those others in the super stock class or even in any class at brownstown speedway that that you see as these up-and-comers that that have that talent to to continue to drive the sport well you know jason hayman you can't leave him out at all Cause you know he's been around he's been around a long time now, but yeah. you know he's still a young guy, so he's still going to be here. Hopefully, he's going to be here a while yet. He keeps telling me that he's not going to be, but <laughs> I like to think that he's going to be because I mean he's pretty competitive. And you got Colton Sullivan, you know he's a young kid just coming along, and you know I really look for him to be around a long time. Now whether he stays in this class or he moves on, you know uh, it, that's going to be yet to be seen. But he's really good. You got that Josh Devine. He's he's going to be really yes. good. Uh, you know, there's it's hard for me to think of everybody. Uh, you know, of course, Aubrey. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, there's so many good guys out there that I race against every week. You know, Jack Fry. He's he's an older guy, but he still does a good job every week. Uh, you know, you got. Uh, Oh, my mind's blank. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, it, 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 it's it always is. It always is when you got to think class. about it. Yeah. It's, it, it's easier whenever you're sitting out there at the racetrack because then you know everybody and you can think of it right off the bat. But yeah. you guys put me on the spot here trying to make me think of everybody. Well, but. it's kind of like it, and and we laugh because the, when we did the fair show or the fair uh, podcast with Tyler Kane and we were standing there next to the double seater from Brownstown Speedway and he immediately when we asked his sponsors turned and looked at the car and started reading them off even though none of his sponsors <laughs> yeah. were listed there and he, he actually was, point, he was pointing at the yeah. car it was like he was in victory lane it was like yep and this one and th and I'm like it's that's just muscle memory <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny you know in that that crate class there's a lot of good drivers there in that class you know uh hopefully some of those guys will get to move to a super late model eventually you know, the Modifieds, there's some good guys there, you know. You, you got Matt Boatnick, you know, he's been around a long time, but he's still young. You know, he's going to be here for a while, too. And he's raced about everything. You know, Matt's been in about every class that, yep. that we offer. And he does a good job in everything he gets in, you know. he's And you got Ryan Thomas, you know, he's going to be here a while. Mm -hmm. There's just so many, there's so much talent at this racetrack. And, you know, it's just it's just hard to believe that there's that much talent in one racetrack. And there really is, because, I mean, a lot of these guys, you know, like Jeremy Owens, I mean, that guy, I mean, he gets up on the wheel and he can really hustle a race car around the top of the racetrack. And, you know, Earl Plessinger, you know, that guy that guy helped me a lot. The Boatnecks helped me a lot, too. Earl Earl probably, him and Clifton Barron are probably the two guys that probably helped me get to the driving status that I have now and made me a better driver. Uh and it, it all come together because I was, I, was, I was running a fly-by-you car at the time, and Earl wanted to help me, and but he wouldn't come right, and ask, right out and ask me. 
So he sent Clifton out, Clifton <laughs> Barron. If everybody remembers I, Clifton I can Barron. I remember him, yeah. Running the Bombers and, and the Superstocks. And so Clifton come out and asked me, and I said, well, maybe I can do a little bit of what I'm doing with, with the boat nicks, and maybe I can do a little bit of what Earl's doing. Well, he goes back and tells Earl, and Clifton comes back the next day, and Earl said, nope, it's either all one way or nothing. And I said, well, I said, let's just do it all then. So we changed everything on the car, and I got better. And then he started talking to me about how to drive the racetrack. And, you know, and, and honestly, I really didn't understand a lot about racing for a long time. And I, I won a lot of races, but I still didn't understand what was going on with the car I, I didn't know much and but I, I probably learned more about the race car in probably the last probably the last 10 years I, I everything started clicking a little bit better and uh, I have a lot better understanding about what what's going on with these super stocks now you get me out of that I'm pretty lost when it comes <laughs> to, you know you get into the the four bar stuff and the late model stuff I get I get pretty screwed up because it seems like everything works in reverse on them things yeah, and what it, it does yeah. on on the others. And so, you know, I I got to credit them guys a lot and I, I got to credit Tommy and Jerry cuz I mean, we done a lot together with racing and we helped each other a lot. And without all that help, you know, over the years, I don't know that I would be doing what I'm doing right now. Uh especially the way I drive. Because, I mean, I've had a lot of people tell me, this is what you need to do. You're not driving the corner right. Don't drive in deep enough, you know. And for years, I wouldn't get off the bottom of the racetrack. I was scared to death to get off the bottom. And Except for that first race. You drove right off the top. I did. <laughs> maybe that, maybe that's, that's why. There's a little PTSD from that first race. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it took me till probably, oh, I'd, when I had that modified – that was probably the first time at Brownstown that I actually got up on the top of the racetrack and I ran that whole race on the top of the racetrack and that's when I figured out I could run the top of the racetrack. I wasn't scared of it anymore. I tried to get you up there a long you time did. before that. <laughs> he, he did. I mean, he kept telling me all along, get off the bottom, get off the bottom, but I just could not ever do it. And once I found it, you know, it got a little easier to run the top. And it's, it's a fine line up there to run that top and you know you you really have to walk the edge to to be good up there and and a lot of people can't do it and it's hard to find that edge oh yeah and it, and you know when you get up there it might take a lap or two before you do find it but once you find it i mean it seems like you can just hit it right every time and it's just it's just one of those things there was a time though in the 90s that brownstown was kind of a bottom fed track you know it was it, there was a time yeah. that the, the fast way around brownstown was on the bottom of the racetrack yeah absolutely I remember his first heat race that he won. Uh, <laughs> we was parked right next to him, and uh, I told Aaron, I said, do this to his air pressures right before he goes out on the rear. And Aaron said, he'll kill me if something happens. I said, I'll take the blame for it. I said, just do what I told you to do. He come in, he goes, I'll never forget, he goes, Man, we found it. He said, that car stuck like glue. It wasn't skating out away from me. And then he come in and he goes, Aaron, get that tire, get that car jacked up. The left rear tire's flat. Well, it was only sitting there holding about five, six pound air in it. And Mike was used to, what, 
13, 14 uh, pound air in it. Yeah. Of course, back then, that's the way the cars, we ran them that way. Now it's it's a lot different, but uh, we've, we, we've had a lot of fun throughout the years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Razzing. <laughs> that's what it's all about. I know when I time. had the fly-by-you car built, I was rebuilding my garage, and uh, Mike pulled it off somehow. Uh, licked a rubber where he worked, let me store my car in their shop where his car was stored for uh, about four months while that was going on. And that's just kind of camaraderie we had. I mean, like Mike said earlier, he lived with us. He's a, he's more of a brother to me than he is ever a friend. And that's hard to believe for a lot of people, but it really is. Yep. Well, and I've given the almonds a really hard time tonight, which won't stop at any point. But uh, <laughs> but I will give them this: there, there's not a better bunch of guys if you need something. They'll uh, that's the, the truth. They're the quickest to give you the shirt off your their back and help you out, and they're there for you at all times. So uh, I will definitely say that <laughs> about about all of them: Tom, yep. Jer- Jerry, and Brandon, and and TA when when he was with us the same exact way. So. Yep. Mike, how's it feel to be like the the elder statesman now, where you're passing that knowledge down? I know, you know, you work pretty close with Tyler Kane and stuff, and you know, how, how's that feel now to to well, pass some of that down, you know, to the next generation? You know, it, I don't mind it, and you know, and I keep telling some of these some of the younger people, you know, that they're going to be around here a lot longer than I am, you know, because I'm I'm getting to the point to where I'm probably not going to be around here a whole lot longer. I might still be at the racetrack, right on. But it it really makes me feel good when I can help somebody because I remember back when I started, I couldn't hardly get anybody to tell me anything. Nobody would help me, you know, and, and I kept trying. And all the stuff that I was trying was totally wrong. and But I didn't know that. and uh, But I never give up. I kept going every week. And even though we wasn't, we really wasn't worth a crap, we didn't run very good. Uh, but I kept trying and I had people say, well, let me drive your car and I'll tell you what to do to it. And I said, no. I said, it's my car. I'm driving it. Right. And if you can't help me, then, you know, screw you. I don't, I don't care whether you drive it or not. And, no, it just seemed like nobody would help you out any back then. And I really don't have a problem with helping a lot of younger people right now. And, you know, and if you help them and they beat you, that just means that, that they're on top of their game and they're just getting, they're getting better. And I don't have a problem with that. Because that makes me feel good. If they beat me, I feel good because that was me. Right. You know, and and it, like I said, if if people don't help somebody with this sport, it's going to quit growing. And you've got to have help to keep it growing. And without that, nobody survives this. Dirt well, track racing goes away. It, but it seems like this new generation has no interest in, you know, mechanics and, and motor work and stuff like that. You know, when I was a kid... You know, my favorite place to be at was the racetrack, and I couldn't be close enough to a race car. You know, you get around some of these young kids. I mean, you know, Roller's Kid is an exception. Mm-hmm. You know, my 11-year-old's an exception. They, that's what they want, but a lot of the kids these days could care less about the races. You're right. You know, and, yep. or to be around a race car. And yep. I would love to figure out ways to get them more involved, but it seems, you know, if they're not looking in a tablet or something, it's, they're not interested anymore. Yeah, and, you know, I don't, I don't know what a good answer is for that. Um, and you're right. I mean... I don't know if it's because of all the gaming and stuff has kind of, it's kind of made kids more secluded 
from the outside world than when we was kids. We didn't have anything to do in the house. Right. So we was ready to get out of the house, you know, and and I, you know, I, I didn't probably go to my first dirt track race till I was probably, I was probably 16 years old or older. Hmm. Didn't have no clue what dirt track racing was. Probably the very first thing that I remember about racing was watching the 1979 Daytona 500 at Tommy's mom and dad's house. And that was the one with the fist fight in it, right? That absolutely yeah. was. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and, and that's probably what piqued my interest more was when I watched that NASCAR race. You know, it was Winston Cup back then. Right. But that's probably what piqued my interest more than anything because I had no clue about dirt track. But my dad wasn't interested. And I think that's where a lot of it starts at. You know, if your parents don't show an interest in something like that, then you have no guidance to get them there. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, most parents, they're not involved in anything like that. But it's because of the era that they grew up in, because they grew up in the same type of era as their kids, they're all in games. Yeah. And so, you know, to get the parents out there to the racetrack, I don't think you can get any kids interested in anything like what we've done. So I think that's where it all starts at. You know, I... I used to be made fun of when I was young because, you know, my, my mom would always joke that I could hear a race car start up, you know, four miles down the road, you know, and, and I wanted to go down there and I wanted, I don't care if it's sitting in the garage and ran, right. you know, I wanted to be there because it was running. And so, you know, and, you know, I have a 22 a year old son and now he's 22. He's starting to get a little interested in it. But when mm-hmm. he was a kid, he had no interest in going to the racetrack. So, right. you know, he's kind of grown into it a little more as he's gotten older. But, you know, like you said, it is dying and that, and that kills me because you know that's my passion is to be at the racetrack so yeah. well you know like with me you know tommy was doing it and then uh we got to going down to moody's garage there in brownstown paul crockett had his car there yeah and we got to hanging around down there a little bit you know and and that was kind of that was it getting interesting and but you know like i said i was 16 years old before i ever really got exposed to it and we got to hanging around down there at moody's garage you know and hanging around with paul crockett you know he might not have liked us very much at that time you know but we was just young kids you know hanging around there but that was interesting what they was doing and you know i mean he'd talk about stories and stuff like that and tell stories about the stuff that he was had done in the past and and just some of the older guys that i hung around with back then you know that's kind of where they growed up at was at the dirt tracks oh, yeah but i didn't meet them guys until like i said i was 16 years old wow so it kind of stemmed from that, you know, Dick Keithley was pretty inspirational probably in helping me get a little bit more into dirt track racing. And, you know, Dick helped me a lot over the years and, uh, you know, and it's just, it's just those guys that really got me into racing and I've been kind of involved in it ever since. Did, did I, you ever have the want to, to go up to the late models, you know, they've recently been called super late models, but you know, years ago there was just a late model and, and run like, you know, the world one hundreds and, and the stuff like that. Did, did you want to get there or I you... did a late model deal in 1991 and it was with Dick Keithley and Mike Scarlett. I drove that car for one season and they bought that car from doc Jewell is who they bought the car from. Hmm. And, uh, it was just a under budgeted deal you know mike scarlett was going to buy the car dick wanted to be involved in it so dick dick got involved in it and it was just one of them deals where they never really they never really dick couldn't afford a lot you know and but the only reason he got involved in it was because of me oh wow dick wanted to make sure that i got my opportunity to drive one of those cars and he got in it and really shouldn't have 
and then Mike Scarlett was really kind of a hard guy to get along with and you know you would tell him what it would take to get in, to stay in racing at that level and it just like he thought you could race at a cheaper level when you really need to spend the money to be good right and we never that never did really materialize and dick got out of it and i told dick i said if you're getting out of it i'm out i'll go back to driving my street stock and that's what i did and dick and i we had a lot of fun together uh with that street stock and we won a lot of races scottsburg speedway for one the really good story with dick keely down there we got down there one night and went over to line up for the feature come out on the racetrack and the throttle linkage fell off the bolt come out and the throttle linkage fell off well i get back to the pits and dick gets in there and he takes duct tape and he duct tapes his <laughs> throttle linkage to the throttle pedal and i don't know how many rounds he went around it and when i pulled back out on the racetrack they was getting ready to come into turn three when i pulled out on the front straightaway and they was taking the green flag oh my gosh we drove from the back and caught them and won that race and dick everybody kept telling me they said thank god that race is over because we thought dick was going to have a heart attack they said he made more laps up and down that back straightaway <laughs> fence wall <laughs> waiting for that race to get over because he kept knowing that duct tape was going to break <laughs> But we won the race, and, and when we got done, Dick, he just kind of sat down on the ground, and he said, I'll tell you what. He said, I think I turned more laps than you did out there. <laughs> and I, I got to interrupt real quick because I got called out on Facebook, and I'm I'm going to make sure that I don't get in any more trouble than I already have. But Paige Allman called me out for just saying how good the Allman men were, and I have <laughs> to say how good the Allman women are. Um, Stacy and Paige also that's true and i gotta say stacy's done <laughs> stacy's stacy saved me several times so i gotta make sure that i i give stacy a shout out there so yeah, I, she's definitely paid her dues yeah i don't want to get in any trouble later on so i had to make sure I, I i gave them a a shout out there so yeah mike brought up something a minute ago uh one of my very first times actually going to help paul crockett at the racetrack who was probably my number one mentor at the time uh, y'all know Bronze Bobby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul was very bad about wanting to change tires, gears, 15 times between the fast heat race and feature. And one night, Bobby was the elected one to change in the gears, and <clears throat> a guy by the name of Jim Marshall come in, and he said, Paul's going to be late. He's going to be late for the feature, boys. He's got to go. Just as Bobby got the last boat tightened, Jim walked over and just grabbed the jack. And I know Bobby, I hope you're listening. I know he'll remember it. When that car slammed down, it knocked Bobby out cold as a cucumber. <laughs> and poor old Moody Regal, he was he thought it killed him. He said, run, get the ambulance. And let me tell you, Paul pitted right inside the pit gate. That's a long run. <laughs> That's a long run all the way over there. Yeah, I actually, I'll tell you what, you talk about a history lesson. I wish I'd have brought my portable recorder because sitting in the Schaefer Photo and Custom Tea booth on Saturday night with, with Bobby, at any point in time we didn't have somebody, I got a story. And it was, it was I mean, honestly, one of the coolest things ever because um, he has a wealth of knowledge that is is unmatched anywhere because it was, so it was really oh, yeah. fun. Yeah, I used to work with Bobby. 
We worked at Rose Acres together, and I'll tell you what, he is hilarious. He's a funny guy. He's hilarious, and there isn't anything that he won't do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just kind of want to point out, uh, maybe people that ain't real familiar with the dirt racing, how big of a deal Paul Crockett was, because last week Rick Gum sat right over there and talked about how big of a deal it was for him. Yeah. And you know now now you know and Bobby has mentioned many times, and now Tom's brought up you know so that, you know. If anybody's really deserving, you know, Paul Crockett is having his own race at Brownstown Absolutely. Speedway. Oh. So. Paul, he was instrumental to the sport around here. Oh, yeah. 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 Paul would share his knowledge, especially, I guess I'm very fortunate and very lucky. I had, I'm going to say three of the best, maybe four that I could turn to at any given time. Uh, I could go to Paul Crockett. I could go to Jim Curry. I could go to Mike Jewell. Me and Mike started racing the same year, uh, and he would he would tell me whatever I. Of course, he was in the Master Build House scene. Oh yeah. And uh, C.J. Rayburn, bar none. My very first late model was a Rayburn car, and I picked out my own myself and Celery celery signs <clears throat> we uh picked out our own decals that we wanted to do i didn't go up and buy the one cj rayburn stronger than dirt i made my own and cj seen it and from that point on i was locked in although every time you went up there you only needed five minutes to go in and buy what you wanted in the two years I run the Rayburn car before I went to Masterbuilt, I never spent one red cent in C.J. Rayburn race cars facility. Every time I went there, it's on C.J. It was all on C.J. And I have to tip my hat because I know he's been awesome for the sport too. It's it's amazing, not just the drivers, but you talk about the chassis builders that are around mm -hmm. here in this area, and and you know, and again, I think for people who don't go to the dirt track that don't realize this isn't just chassis builders and drivers who race Brownstown Speedway. I mean, we've talked about the guys who have come from Brownstown, who who cut their teeth at Brownstown, that now race on a national scene, mm -hmm. and and are the best in the in the country absolutely um in in late models um and modifieds you know these guys start right here um and the the history and the competition that's there is is unreal it is yes well we've said it many times that if you're uh, if you're going to brownstown speedway on a saturday night you take you just take for granted the talent that rolls out on that racetrack i mean in every class you know you, you have and you said it earlier tonight mike the best of the best are racing over there on Saturday nights, Absolutely. you know. Yep. So, you know, if you make a feature, you know, here lately the car counts have been down because, you know, of the money situation. But still, if you run in the top ten in a feature, you have done something because you're racing against the best guys you can race against. I'll tell you, I can remember back, you know, several years ago, <laughs> if you made the feature at Brownstown, you was lucky. Oh, yeah. Because there was that many good cars there every weekend. Yeah. You know, and and – you know, and even in the Concies, I mean, I can remember back in the Concies, you probably had 10 of the very best cars in the Concie a lot of time that didn't make a feature. I mean, I remember a lot of good cars that didn't make features 
and should have been in the features, but there was that many good cars on a regular basis at Brownstown. It was a struggle at times oh, to get in yeah. the races. Yep. Yeah. I remember the uh, very first late model feature I won, and, and believe me, I hated to leave Brownstown Speedway, but that Rayburn car, or Masterbuilt car, I had, for some odd reason, it it loved North Burn Speedway. Mm. And the caliber of cars that we outrun that night for our very first late model win, my son Brandon and Justin and all the guys that helped there, Amanda and Tyler and Trent and Butch, you thought we won the World 100. <laughs> because not just us, but everybody... It almost kind of reminds you of the year that Dale Earnhardt won the Daytona, Daytona 500 because every driver there come down and congratulated us. And it, it was just, I mean, it was just unreal. I mean, it, that's how tight everybody is. I want to go back to what Mike was talking about earlier. The same thing, talking about being a family. I mean, I was talking to Mike earlier in the year, and he was just talking about how happy he was for Dave Shelton and uh tim shumpy mm -hmm. winning their first race this year I yeah mean, that's just i well, forgot about that yeah. it's not yeah. like very many other things i mean T tim's was last year yeah what yeah yeah that, yeah. Yeah. Right at the end, yeah yeah but we were talking about that and just him seeing those guys i mean oh, yeah. yeah it's like kind of like i'm gonna just say it's kind of like golf where in a game of golf you're not cheering against anybody and I, I think that's how dirt track racing is i mean yeah you got these people out there who'll boob Scott Bloomquist and that kind of thing, but you still, no matter how much you hate him or dislike him, you got to respect what he does, and I think that's what happens in in the dirt track world. There's so much respect between guys, sure. and I think guys want those guys on the track. That's what we've brought Absolutely. up a thousand sure. times. Yeah. There's yeah. no other sport where, you know, and and I come from the football world where if the starting quarterback for the team I was playing forgot his helmet, that I'm going to walk in and hand him a helmet so he can play against me. I'm just saying, huh, tough luck, let's go. <laughs> But in the racing world, any trailer is open for parts. I mean, yes. if it, they want you on the track. And I mean, yes. and, and Aubrey said it Saturday night yeah. as soon as she was in victory lane. She was over the moon excited, but she said it's bittersweet because Mike Fields wasn't on the racetrack with right. me. And they, that's the thing. Everybody wants the best to be on the racetrack with them. And, put, and, and it comes back to putting on the best show for the fans. It comes back to having that level of competition that yep. you seek. Well, yep. you, you become an extended family without even intending it. You know, every Saturday night, you know, you know where Mike Fields parks. You, you know, you know where Tim Shumpy parks, mm -hmm. you know, and when you walk through the pits or you go through the pits, you know, okay, if I walk up here, they're going to be up here on the left. You know, yep. like you said, Jeremy Owens and Derek Clegg and, you know, the Hartwells all up by the scale house. You guys are across the bridge and. Yeah, you don't you, have to look for no. anybody. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know exactly you know where, where to go. Where to go. Yeah. You know, boat necks are back there with by you guys just across the road. Yeah. You know, and, and it becomes a family. And even, you know, one Saturday night, you guys can be so angry at each other. But the next Saturday night, they're going to walk up to you and say, hey, do you have something? Yeah. And nine out of ten times, you're going to say, yeah, it's in the trailer. Let me get it for you. Yeah. And, you know, and that's that's what's really good about the sport is, you know, some people don't forget. But most, most of the time, everybody gets over it by the next day. And, you know, they move on. And they're, they're best of friends again the next weekend. Oh yeah, and, you know. I mean, that's what's really nice about the deal, and you know, I mean, uh, yeah. Sometimes people, you know, they they don't really like seeing it at the racetrack, but they really wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah, you know, they just won't admit it. 
And I, I do want to give some promotion for you. I seen they said you have T-shirts coming in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, my sister, she's kind of been heading this deal up. Uh, she's been wanting the shirts, and uh, I told her, I said, I said it's all in your court, and I said, you know, but she's been running it by me, you know, and and of course I'm probably about like the T-shirts, about like I am about racing. <laughs> if, if they ain't a certain way, I'm pretty picky a lot, and uh, you know, I, I want everything to be right. Uh, not say it, I'm anal about it, but. Uh, is he anal? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, now I, I've, he doesn't know. Yes. He doesn't know this, but I've seen the design already. <laughs> he doesn't know that, but I I fell on it uh, by accident. But I'm just, I you know, I just I don't know. I I like perfection with the and and I guess that's why I am with the with the race car like I am, and that's why I work so much at it because I like I like the perfection of it and. You know, I guess that spills over into a lot of other stuff, and and I'm probably I'm probably my worst person actually, and I I make things a lot worse for myself because, you know, there's a lot of times when Saturday rolls around, I don't feel like things are going right, and I feel like I'm behind, and I panic, and I uh, I'm hateful. Nobody likes to talk to me, and <laughs> you know. But once I get to the racetrack, then I'm back to my normal self, and everything's good. And <laughs> that's when I like to talk to him the most when he's upset. <laughs> well, you, you know. Dustin laid claim early on in the year that he thought Jeremy Owens had the best-looking race car at the racetrack, and I have remained neutral. But since you're on the show now, i got to say, every week when you roll out, I always compliment that that is a great-looking car you got this year. So I will probably step out, Dustin, and All say right. – You said you had to stay neutral. Mike Fields has the best-looking race car. So. He has a great-looking race car, but I'm not going to change. And I've already been under pressure from the Jack Fry Racing team that I, <laughs> and was was called out right after I said Owens. But I'm I'm staying with Jeremy Owens as my my favorite race car at the track. But well, I, Mike know, has a great looking race car. I think the reason I your car reminds me back when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. You know the, the dark car with all the sponsors on it, and then the bright number. You know that that I think I just go back to a time you know as a kid sitting in the grandstands when those cars roll out because. Those are my heroes, right? You know, and well, I, I I'm gonna have to thank Chip Slagle for the way the car really looks. Uh, he really liked the fluorescent red, and I I never really was big on bright colors, and he kept on me there. And he said he said, "What do you think about the fluorescent red?" Well, we put it on there last year, and we really didn't get to show it off much last year. Right. What we had, and the more it was on the car, and the more I looked at it, the more I liked it. So uh this winter uh i'm on twitter and rocket sent out a tweet there and they had these fluorescent spoilers that they had just come out with <laughs> and well they just so happened to have a the fluorescent red and i told tyler i said when we go down there i said in january i said i'm buying one of them spoilers <laughs> so we bought one and i brought it back and i put it on the car and i think that just kind of capped the whole deal Oh yeah, because I think the car looks 100 percent better with that spoiler on it. Oh so, yeah, I agree. So, but Chip Slago is the one that really come up with the bright colors on the car. I was going to bring him up too for you know, for our show ran out because uh, I know you thank him first and foremost every time. You know mm -hmm. that uh, you know he's really stepped up and he's helped you out and you know because I, I think without him you you probably wouldn't be the caliber of equipment you have this year. Probably so. not. You know. Uh, you know that all stemmed back to Alan and Tyler Kane. You know they approached me there five years ago. I think it was five years ago. I don't really, I can't remember. I, I forget Close. time sometimes. But you know they approached me to come and help them. And 
you know, to try to get Tyler better. And we, I went out there, and they said, you know, they said, we're going to build another car, and you can drive when you want to. Because I really didn't want to get back into the racing every weekend. Uh, and uh, so I went out there, and we started digging in, and, you know, and we all worked together very well out there. And we got Tyler where he needed to be in the super stocks. And it wasn't me just by myself. It was all three of us that done that whole deal. And, I mean, we improved Tyler 100%. And, you know, he got where he wanted to be, and he was able to move on what he wanted to do. And without them, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be in this deal with Chip because Chip come down there and bought a car off of Tyler. Huh. And when Chip was there, he said, now, if you're Tyler ever want to drive this car, he said, just get a hold of me. And he said, we'll see what we can do. So the winter rolled by, and the next spring, uh, I was sitting with uh, Todd Snyder and Terry Miller, and I said, "I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna call Chip, see if I can drive that car," and because the Patman race was getting ready to come up, and I called him up, and I mean, I had never ch met Chip in my entire life until he bought that car, and uh, so I called him up, and he said, "Well, he said, well, we'll see what we can do," and he thought about it for I don't know, it was about a week, and I had actually I had given up and didn't think that you know I'd ever hear from him or anything, and. He calls me and he said, "I think we're going to do that." He said, "Just meet me at Edinburgh," and he said, "I'll just I'll meet you at Edinburgh." So I met him at Ed, at Edinburgh, and he brought the car and a trailer to me, and it's just started from there, and huh. it has really turned into a really good relationship between me and Chip. I mean, he's a great friend. He's turned into a great friend for me, and he has brought me back to the racing, to where at the at the level I want to race at. And because, you know, when Tyler and Allen done the late model deal, we wanted to do another super stock, but there was just not enough money to do it. And, and you know, and, and I didn't want to get back in, you know, that deep into it on my own because I've got so much other stuff going on, you know, at home and everything right. and just couldn't afford it by myself. And Chip, you know, he's like I said, he stepped up and I mean, he has helped me so much that. You know, I, I don't know that I'll ever be able to thank him enough for what he has actually done for me and, you know, and what he's done for my family. Because, you know, Courtney and Donnie, they didn't really get to experience any of my racing because I right. had quit there for so many years. I was gone from the racetrack. And for them to get to come back and get to experience what I had have experienced in my past and get to live some of that with me is just awesome. You know, and I'm glad I've been able to share that with them and they're both i mean courtney she's so ate up with the that, racing i was getting ready to say that yeah <laughs> you know yeah. i don't go anywhere to a racetrack without her i was actually surprised she didn't show up tonight with you well yeah. she probably would have if i would have told her to come up or whatever. and but you know she she's been my racing buddy for the last several years oh yeah me and her made several trips to bloomington back and forth over there to help tyler every weekend and we traveled every place that they went and she's been right there and Donnie's always been, he was involved in other things, so he couldn't get involved, but he's kind of come along now, and he's getting more involved, and, and he's doing things, and they both want to get into racing, but I'm pushing them to get their education good. and get a good job before they get into this deal because I didn't have that, right. you know, and without the job and the money, you can't afford to do this. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I want, them to, I want them to prosper first, and then if they're still interested – then I'll help them do what they want to do as Good far deal. as that goes. So, but without, but back to the Canes, you know, Alan and Tyler, 
you know, they've been great to me. And I mean, I spend a lot of time out there in the race shop with them and we're still doing all this together. And it's just been a phenomenal journey that we've been on and we're all still learning. That's the whole thing. I mean, we learn every week. Sometimes it doesn't look like we learn very much, but we still learn a little bit, you know. So, but yeah, it's been it's been an interesting journey for sure. Well, it made me smile uh, last year when you know the Indiana Pro Late Models traveled to Terre Haute. Absolutely. And you know Tyler Tyler got to win up there on that big track there, and then uh, you know you come out with Alan and and you know and Carrie and, and I think Courtney was there that day. She wasn't was. You? Yeah. Yep. And, yep. and you guys all got your picture taken, and you yep. know that that made me realize that of what a mentor you are. You know that that knowledge that you had because like you said you went from where you, everything had to be manufactured and invented to to now and you're yep. still right there to help you know that yep. ne- next generation of driver come along well, i'll so. tell you i'm i'm learning just as much on this late model deal as what tyler is you know i i mean that's so totally greek to me and it's hard to really understand that deal so like i said we're all learning this deal together and you know and when we think we know something, we really don't know much of nothing. <laughs> so, so I mean, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's been an experience for sure. I, I had to laugh the most at Terre Haute, though, because my 11-year-old was, was in the announcer's booth with me Well, when you guys won. Uh-huh. I'm like, hey, they don't have no behind the trophy out. I said, grab that trophy and give it to Tyler. Well, then she snuck right in there with you guys in the picture, you know. So. <laughs> Well, I would really like to repeat what Chad Stapleton told us after that race was over. Right, right, yeah, we, we probably, probably better not. I probably can't do that. <laughs> it's never good to repeat anything that Chad Stapleton says. So. Well, probably not. <laughs> I do want to go back full circle to when we talked about the families and where people park there at, at, at Brownstown. I just want to say I've I've been there early enough to be in the, uh, the draw shack, and it's so funny to me when some of the – the first timers at Brownstown come up because they always ask, you know, well, I'm driving this. Is there a certain place I need to park? And, you know, obviously at Brownstown, there's not kind of that hierarchy of where, but so you say no, but as you say, no, you're like, no, there really is, but (laughs) it doesn't matter what car you're driving. So don't go here or here or here. (laughs) You can kind of park over there, but don't get too close. But it's hilarious because it's not about whether you're driving a, a you know a late model or a modified or a super stock. It's all about what group you're a part of, what family you're a part of there. And that I, is and true. It, so it's it's funny to me when those guys come up and they're new and they're like, "So where do I park?" Well, it's kind of hard to tell you. Everybody in the pits is cousins to each other, but then you got those close families, you know, all yeah. over there. So yeah. that that's what's kind of cool. Uh, yeah. Way back there, at one time, you had to get out there about ten o'clock in the morning. Because when Ray Gotze and them came in, all back then there was like six of them racing, and all the other guys from Bedford, they went from the scales down to the water truck, <laughs> and it'd be taped <laughs> off or set out with tires and wheels. If you, you just, I think the only other guys that got in uh, over there was uh, Rick Hines, I think, maybe what, Jeremy at that time. Jeremy still parks there. You know, he, he's actually the closest to the scales on a Saturday night. And then you got, you know, Jeremy Owens, Derek Clegg, Jason Heyman, the Hartwells. That's because yeah. we only got one Gotsy or two Gotsies running <laughs> instead of six. Well, they, they park over on Millionaire's Row now. Yeah. So, you know, that's uh, I do. That's I, called moving on up. <laughs> yeah. I, I do got to thank Mike for one thing. I had been out of the business when I sold my brand new Masterbuilt. He goes, I know where there's a car you might possibly be able to drive. And I said, well, I'm, I'm in. 
if we can get there. And he goes, well, you need to come meet him. I said, all right, which was Todd Snyder. They had built, Todd had built Mike a new car. I mean, he didn't have to throw me out there. Todd had had four or five guys in it, had never made the feature in the car. And so I go up and meet Todd at his house. And I said, well, I don't have an enclosed trailer no more. He goes, not a problem. I got one. Well, he's got like a 32-foot gooseneck. I go, I ain't got anything to pull it with. Mind you, I never met the man before my life. He reached in his pocket. He goes, Mike's word's good enough for me. And he told me the keys to his truck. <laughs> so <clears throat> I took truck, trailer, car home. Me and Jerry disassembled the whole car, put it back together. Mike says, whatever you do, don't take the wedge out of the left rear. Well, when I put it on the scales, it's not even close to what I wanted the car. <laughs> and he goes, I'm telling you, I drove that car for a couple of years. Don't take the wedge out of it. So what's a guy from Brownstown do? Took a wedge out of the left rear. Yeah. Well, it only took us about <laughs> five minutes to get it all back in. <laughs> and so we <clears throat> go out for the heat race. Of course, as usual, I got to draw 90. <laughs> I'm starting dead last. Come up through there, run second. Should have won it. Could have won it. But I, I was just thrilled to death being out for two years, drive guy's car, don't want to take a chance to tear anything up, make show. Mike wins. I ran fifth. And Todd's in Gatlinburg. Somewhere, he was on I vacation. I think it was Gatlinburg. And I, I, before I told him, I said, dude, we need some new tires. He goes, I ain't spend no money on that old car. He said, if you want to put new tires on it, I'll pay you for them if you make the feature. So, and we ran the car, I think, what, three times, I Something think. Like and made the feature all three times. And that was all because Mike, you know, threw me out there and said, you need to put him in the car. And I want to thank Mike for that, too. Hmm. And I wrote a song about that. I said, if I didn't make it on the racetrack in the year of 09, I was going to hang up my helmet, my shoes, my suit, and say I've had a good time. And I've also wrote another song about Brownstown Speedway that goes back that we talked about several names about all the old drivers like Kenny Simpson, Crockett oh, yeah. Curry. But I put a verse in there, the new guys are coming. Now, to tell you how old this, I wrote this song a long time ago, the new guys were coming was Bloomer and all them guys. <laughs> so it, it's, it's really, I, I think it's a good song. I, I always wanted to have them play it one time at the Hall of Fame race, you know. Mm -hmm. So oh, Get it to me and I'll play it next time we race, man. <laughs> if what you need what you need there to you do go. matt what he just told you he'd do it what you need to do matt is if everybody can name every driver in this song we could give them something we'll we'll come up with something all right because last year at the hornets race or what was it that curtis sponsored last year was it no it was yeah he sponsored the hornets last year was it the hornets mm -hmm. yeah 
I give away a brand new helmet yeah. last year. Well, you did that on the pure stocks, though. Because, that's uh, what it was. Zach Stalker stock. won that won, yes. the, won yes. that helmet. I give yeah. away a brand brand yeah. new helmet. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll do something like that. Get it we'll, to me, and I'll I'll make sure it gets played. Yeah, I'll yeah. play both your songs. If you get them out for Timmy, I'll make sure they're played, man. So yeah, we'll, we'll we'll do that one time. There goes another episode. We'll have to have Walt Disney back on to talk about his songs <laughs> being played. Well, I'm already thinking Sound Speedway. I'm already thinking of another episode. It's going to be Walt Disney and Bronze Bobby on together. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. I, 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 I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to hit record and go to bed. I can <laughs> come back down in the morning. I can remember listening and watching Bobby play uh, a lot of a lot of music. My dad. Uh, and my dad turned Nashville down three times because he wouldn't leave his family. But myself and Bobby has never sat down. We keep saying that every time we see each other. We talk about fishing and racing. We never talk about playing guitar. But I think they need to bring their guitars, and we let them talk and sing on the show. So. I will say I pick on them, but I've sat around a lot of bonfires uh, on top of a cooler listening to uh, Tom and, and those guys pick guitars and sing and and uh, there's not a better time right there. Than uh, Bobby that. B can kick him out now. Let me tell well, you. If there was a guy that sounded more like Johnny Cash back in the day, that was Bobby Bowling. Oh, really? Yep. I actually seen a video of him singing uh, "Cocaine Blues" yep. on on the yep. on there yeah. on Facebook. Yep. And actually, Zach Stalker just told you thank you for the helmet there. So uh, you're welcome. Well, uh, we're at an hour and fifteen minutes, and if I don't if I don't try and keep us in 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 time. Uh, Tom's starting to get warmed up here, so I <laughs> we, we got to give Mike I'll time. Bail, to, I'll to, bail out. <laughs> we got to give Mike time to thank all the sponsors because I got to hear Bub's home of the Ugly Burger before we get off here. You know, you know so. what? I've, I've had my picture in two different locations. There, I've had it That's in Carmel awesome. and in go. Bloomington. There you um, go. What's he waiting on? Yeah, I'm waiting on him to take me. <laughs> See, those who those who may be listening from the North Vernon area, that was in the Scott Buning era at at Jennings County High School football, <laughs> and. Uh, Buting and I could eat, so we uh, we put our picture could, on the wall a lot could, of places. Could eat, still can eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, so go ahead, funny. Mike. Throw out your sponsors. Well, I, I've got to thank uh, I've got to thank Bub's Home of the Big Ugly Burger. I've got three locations. I think uh, Carmel at Bloomington and uh, Zionsville, I believe it is. Uh, got Nick's English Hut in Bloomington. They've got awesome pizza. Uh, good cold beer. Got to put that out there. Uh, we've got uh, Kane's Herefords. Uh, Darren Kane. She's uh, getting into the cattle business and trying to sell some good stock. Here. And uh, we've got uh, Seymour Tire Service. Good year there in Seymour. Clint Brock and Cole Brock. Uh, Clint has been a big supporter of mine for a long time. And uh, Cole has Cole has been into the racing deal and i mean he he gets really pumped up when he wants to come and help so and clint's whole family carly they've all been big supporters of me for a long time stephanie uh so i gotta thank seymour tire because they've been behind me a long time uh we've got napa auto parts out of seymour uh greg hatton helps helps me a little bit here and there uh he's always been a big sponsor for as long as i've been racing pretty much uh we've got um uh, of course, the Canes, you know, I mean, they helped me a little bit here and there. Uh, Chip Slagle, he's the biggest sponsor I got. Uh, he's got a lawn care business in Carmel, and he does an awesome job. He does a lot of work with uh, that area. Uh, so that's Hoosier Lawn Care. 
John Kane, he's uh, he's actually an Amsoil dealer. Uh, he's been uh, taking care of my oil and hmm. products like that this year. So I got a shout out to him and thank him for that. Um, I'm trying to make sure I don't forget somebody. Um, I definitely got to thank my wife. She lets <laughs> me, you know, I haven't done that yet tonight. So yeah. uh, she she lets me go out and play every night, you know, and uh, doesn't really give me a hard time about it. Every now and then she'll text me my address, so make sure I don't forget where I'm at, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's uh, I just got a lot of good people, that, you know, that has helped me, and uh, without them all, I mean, we wouldn't be doing this on Saturday night for sure. Good deal. And before we go, I I have continued to get myself in trouble with everything <laughs> I've said here tonight. Um, I first thank the almond men, and then I thank the almond women, and then. Brandon's wife, Belle, called me out, uh, Amanda Allman, <laughs> earlier and said that she's just chopped liver. And that's not true at all. Um, Belle, you know I got nothing but love for you, girl. Um, I, I can't say that you've gotten me out of as much trouble as Stacy has. Um, you've probably helped me get into some trouble. But uh, but nothing but love for Belle. So I've, I've marked everybody off my list, uh, so I shouldn't be in any more trouble, hopefully, before we end the episode. So, guys, Mike thank you for being here um nothing but uh luck for you i hope the rest of the season as we said earlier um i did go ahead and pay out the uh the bounty i guess you could say to aubrey on uh on saturday night um because i had said i wanted to see someone else win a brandeis race i am going to reinstate the bounty and i had said to you that if you could win it out it's a hundred dollars to you if anybody can beat you running on the track, not taking taking you out. Now, you've admitted that you might just drive right off turn one and turn three. <laughs> um, but if anybody can outrun Mike Fields in a Brandeis race, it's $100 to that driver from Throttled Up the Podcast. But you went out. I'm going to be seeing you in victory lane in the last race, of the, the Brandeis race of the year. And, and I'll have a crisp $100 bill from, from Throttled Up the Podcast for you. I appreciate that from you guys. And. Uh, the hundred dollars that you give Aubrey, I told her she owed me fifty of that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, and she laughed, and we kind of joked about it. She said, "You know," she said, "That's funny." She said, "Dad was thinking about offering you an extra hundred just for you to just let me win." I, <laughs> I said, "Well, there wasn't no letting you win there Saturday night." I said, "You won it outright." I said, "So." I said, "But you still owe me fifty of that hundred that you picked up." So, but I, I thought that was really stand up of you doing that. Uh, you know, even though the, the circumstances. You know, she still won the race, so, you know, I, I got beat. You know, I pulled out on the track, and unfortunately we didn't get to make a lap, but we still got beat, and, you know, it was it was pretty frustrating to me. Uh, but, you know, I was still okay with, with what happened there Saturday night, and I wasn't happy with what happened to us, but, you know what, it couldn't have happened to a better person. And I just want to thank you guys for doing what you're doing here because this is awesome, getting people out, you know, like us out here, because nobody really knows us away from the racetrack and you know maybe they get to see a little different side of everybody when they come in here and do this mm-hmm. show with you guys and i think it's really awesome you know like tommy you know he come and brandon kind of helped do this deal you know and i told him i said well i said if tommy's coming and i'm coming i said then jerry's got to come well unfortunately jerry didn't get to come but you know, he, I just I really want to thank you guys for doing this. He just said that, that you guys are doing a great job. 
That's the first time he's ever talked I was going to say, I thought I was going to say, Mike. <laughs> he's a tough time. critic, so. He's probably lying to us right now anyway, so. Yeah, yeah he's probably, he probably just tuned in at the end. Yeah, to probably. tell us that we did a great job knowing Jerry. But, uh, no, and, and I appreciate you saying yeah. that to both of us. You know, this was something that, you know, Matt and I had the pleasure of previously, the previous year, and a half of working right next door to each other in our offices and and we found plenty of time and in, in some tough situations to talk dirt track racing and when we kind of started this gig i said hey man let's let's do this and and i'm i'm amazed at the amount of drivers that are willing to to come out here and, and spend their time on a wednesday night and you know we've had 40 plus people watching us all night long and you know, I mean, some of our, our Facebook lives are getting up to 2,000 views. That's awesome. And yeah, so it's so great. cool for us that you guys are willing to come out. And I know that you thank us, but I can't tell you thank you enough because we know what the work is that you guys put in to get the car ready. And for us to ask any driver to come out in the middle of the race week and, and spend a few hours with us uh, is really impressive. So thank you so much. This really goes back to me as a kid because I always wanted to see – you know, you guys with your helmets off. Right. Yeah, I don't know what you look like. Right. And, uh, you know, that we thought this is a way that, you know, we could throw the spotlight on a driver every week or two drivers, and they could get to know them. Absolutely. You know, and uh, you, know, you might have a guy that didn't root for Mike Fields, you know, last Saturday night. But when we go back here, you know, in a week, after they maybe see your interview, they're like, I, I mm-hmm. like that guy. Right. You know, or everybody, every other driver we've had on there. So, yeah, yeah that, that was our, our idea was to spotlight you guys and, try to bring this thing up and you know make make the racing thing uh you know more in the spotlight and you I, wanted every driver to take their helmet off and since we've added cameras every viewer wants us to put helmets on I, I, that, that's been my whole life man well, you, know? I, you know i've been out of the seat for a few years now but i'm still in the grandstands most of the time i think what you guys are doing are is awesome i think it's something that's been needed a long time instead of just showboating the guys like bloomer yeah the money guys they're all they they're always behind the camera always get it and this is a way that people can actually get to see the blue collar racer yes a lot more and i think you guys do an awesome job at it and really appreciate it and i really don't know why i was here tonight but (laughs) (laughs) but i really do appreciate you guys asking and uh, i thought last week was probably one of the most funniest I've oh my seen with Rick and Bron oh, and Bobby. Yeah, yeah. I, that was I, really good. It was really good. So yeah. Bobby asked me later in the week, he said, did you ever get your tears cleaned up from crying <laughs> so hard? And I said, I don't know that I've still got it well, all back together. Th- that was the first show out of the 20-some we've had that we really thought we needed to instill the five-second delay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, Rick, well, Rick kind of pushed well, that envelope a little bit. So Well, he asked you right up front, oh, yeah. <laughs> how PG do we need to do it? Well... <laughs> Me and Mike have known each other since the early 70s, and a lot of stuff that you hit on tonight, Mike and I can relate, like the fist fights. We didn't do it out of anger. We just done it out of fun. (laughs) Well, again, guys, thank you so much for being here. Again, Brownstown Speedway off this weekend. Uh, We'll be back on uh, September 1st is our next one, right? So September 1st. Uh, get out there to Brownstown Speedway again off this weekend. So, thank you, Mike. I wish hey, you the. You're going with the Canes to Florence, right? Saturday we, night. Yes, we are. We're going to Florence Saturday night. Uh, going to venture a little bit out of our comfort zone and <laughs> see what happens. 
Yep. And Rick Gum said, "Really, Rick? Um, I mean, come on, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you know it's true. I'm still disappointed." <laughs> Rick, my only disappointment in last week's episode is how is the Thirsty Sportsman not a sponsor already this week? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah we waited on them to call all week after yeah, he was here with you, us. So you spent enough money in their pre-show; they should be a they should be a sponsor. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks to everybody that joined us, and, and to you guys again, Mike and Tom and and Brandon. Uh, I can't say enough, and I I really really appreciate you guys being here. So thanks, thanks for having me. All Thank right, you. had a lot of fun. I'm from that dirt, 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 dirt. I'm all about that dirt, 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 dirt. I'm throwing dirt, 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 dirt. I miss that dirt, 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 dirt. Gotta get back to I'm it. I'm a dirt trackaholic. Call it what you call it. Saturday night, I am so Kenny Wallace on that dirt, 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 dirt. I miss that dirt. Gotta get back to it. I've been the Kenny Wallace of the rap game. Ever since I hit him with that dirt track thing. Now nationwide, everybody knows my name. They're like, mama, that's Kenny Montgomery. He sings that song we like. Yeah, boy, that's me. Roll out the trailer, I'm flossing. Huh. Them Hoosier tires glossing. Yep. Them cold kind, we're tossing. Right. They know I came to wreck it, yet I rarely bring out a caution. Get I hit the high side, boy, I park it for Brian Clausen. Uh. I do them like Kyle Larson. Watch me throw them sliders. Party in victory lane, and y'all boys ain't invited. Your mama gets excited when I pull up to unload. Even your grandpa talking about, man, that boy too cold. We don't sit on 24s, we don't ride on spinners. I'm posted up on them 15s with platinum dirt defenders. Got kids up in my window like, hey, Mo, are you gonna win it? Yeah, I hope y'all brought some stamps, cause y'all know I'm about to send it on me. Dirt. I'm all about that dirt, 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 dirt. I'm throwing dirt, 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 dirt. I miss that dirt, dirt, dirt. Gotta get back to I'm a dirt trackaholic. Call it what you call it. Saturday night, I am so Kenny Wallace on that dirt, 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 dirt. I miss that dirt, dirt, dirt. Gotta get back to it. I just won hot laps for the third week. Lil Dave said he thinks we're in the first heat. So I go and check the board on my bike, sitting outside pole. Y'all know what it's looking like. Uh W, W, that's another George W. Hit him with that half a lap, like, dang, what gear you running, dude? And where'd you get that fire suit? Man, I like that stitching. Velocity USA, hey, just tell Brad that I sent you. I'm shining like I'm rubbered up and I'm smiling for the pics. Y'all boys be looking tacky while I stay looking slick. Four new rims, no new friends. They never know what I'm planning. And mama just gave me them eyes like, dang, maybe you looking handsome. We pray and sing the anthem. Nobody takes a knee. We stop and show respect because we're all proud to be. From the land of the free and the home of the brave, y'all better wake up and get it. We're making America great again. Let's all go out and kick it on there. Dirt, dirt. 